Yo, yo, my name is Big Lou, and you are now listening to Go Produce. We are the show that explores how music industry professionals turn their passions into profit. In this episode, we've got Jerry Rozo, a storyteller, a caring father, and a human on a mission who is full of surprises. The Go Produce focus of this episode is, how did you transition from being the successful artist to being a highly motivated manager? If you struggle to balance music with the rest of your life, then this episode is for you. Thank you, thank you, Jerry, for your patience and for being here. I want you to know that we do really appreciate your time. So why don't we just go ahead, make the most of it, and go produce. Listeners, let me tell you who we've got in store for you today. Mr. Jerry Rozo. He was a singer and a performer for over 20 years. His first band in Canada was created in 2002 and was called Sigma and the Duende. They were heavily active in the London, Ontario scene, especially amongst the Latino community with their Latin rock style. They played together for almost 10 years and have countless stories that I'm sure we'll be able to extract. The Duende was no more at the end of 2010 and Jerry found himself transitioning to solo projects in 2011. After riding a high from producing a sold-out solo show at the Aeolian Hall in October of 2011, he had to stop working on this project due to professional commitments. It happens. We understand. This led Jerry to directing the Still Timber Sports series in 2012. He drove it from a small-scale niche sport into a national series with a mainstream television coverage. He did a lot more with it. We'll make sure to get into that too. But before we move on, I do want to mention that he built it into a successful national series that is now being sold all over Canada today with events sold out for up to three years into the future. Absolutely ridiculous. You may ask though, is Jerry done with music? Nonsense. He began working on projects with his 12-year-old daughter at the end of 2018 to promote her as a singer and a performing artist. He is feeling out the music music industry, excuse me. He's feeling out the music industry once again, but this time as a manager. He's the head producer for TSN Timber Sports, and he is the artist manager for Bella Rosa. Jerry Rozo, welcome to the show. How you doing, guys? Fantastic, fantastic. We're <laughs> over the moon to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here as well. Thanks for the invite. Beautiful. I always, always happy to do that. I'm sure we may invite you in the future once again, but before we get to that, let's see what we got for this round. How, how about that? All right, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, let's move into our first segment. Our first segment is called The Basics. Pooh! Bam. This is what we got here. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of Latin style. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. So what we're going to do with The Basics is we're going to run through some simple questions to get to know you better, we want to almost get an icebreaker going, if you will. So we're just going to jump right into it, okay? Sounds good. I mentioned that your first band in Canada that was created was in 2002. But I want to know, when did you move to Canada and where did you move from? I came to Canada in 2001. It was uh, September 2001, uh, and I moved here from Colombia. Okay, absolutely. Great. So... September 21 and in 20, 2002 you created your first band so you wasted absolutely no time well I gotta say too that um by the time I, I didn't I didn't land in Canada until November now that I uh, that, that I remember but so I left Colombia right after 9-11 so oh okay you, you gotta imagine that. so you like, gotta remember I mean, that yeah yeah so I I came to the uh, um my, my family and I we were escaping war 
and we came to the United States. And because of all the problems that were happening with 9-11, uh, we had to stay in the U.S. for two or three weeks, something like that. And right. then, yeah, so we landed here in October, actually. So, so yeah. And Where, did, uh, where hey, were you in the States? Because the States uh, we, wasn't exactly safe then either. Yeah, it, it's, uh, we went to Miami um, and we stayed there because we had some uh, friends. And then we uh, went to the border to Buffalo to start our uh, like immigration uh, application and stuff. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that safe, but yeah, we, get, <laughs> we got it done. It, it just the timing didn't work, but uh, here we are, you know. My next question for you is related to the band. Were you Sigma? Yeah, yeah. So... So, okay, so I was yeah. asking if you're a Sigma, and then the other half is the Duende. What does that mean? Is, is there so, a particular yeah, meaning so, to that name? So when we started Sigma, that was our first band. I, I met with uh, like three, three other guys uh, from Colombia that were in the same boat as I was. Like We just uh, came to London. We just moved here. We didn't know anybody. And then we're like, oh, you play drums, you play bass. I, I, I sing. Let's get together and boom, Sigma started, right? I remember that we uh, we got together uh, today and then five days later, we had our first show. And it no, was for, for a, it, actually it was around this time because it was for a Mexican celebration. Though though I it's it's not Cinco de Mayo or anything like that, but because that's but not so, really Mexican. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it, it's not a Mexican celebration. So that's why it popped in my head. But no, that, that's yeah, not yeah. it. Anyways, but uh, we got we started rehearsing, and then five days later we had we had our first show, and it was insane. Uh, that is insane. So, yeah. So we played together for a while, and then uh, we had to swap some members here and there. Um, and at that point, we we were we started being a cover band. Uh, and we played music in English and Spanish, um, okay. but but our success was in Spanish. So then after seeing that our audience was predominantly Spanish mm -hmm. uh, and it's what we were good at, then uh, we decided to switch to the Duende, which is like, and what we wanted to do, like a Duende is a leprechaun, right? Uh, so okay. we, we liked the way that, that it sounded with the T-H-E, the Duende. It was kind of like a, you know, English, Spanish uh, name. Right. Okay. I, I have no idea where it came from, but it ended up sticking, and you know, here we are. Sigma and the Duende, and you guys yeah. lasted almost ten years. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That's super awesome. Yeah. Before before you got to Canada, before you started playing with Sigma and the Duende, I want to know what is your first musical memory. My first musical memory is uh, it, it. It all goes back to high school. So I started high school, playing okay. guitar. Um, at a very early age, like, you know, I was nine or 10, 10 years old. And I remember that my, I come from a very musical family. So they say okay. that music always skip a generation. So my dad uh, is not that musical, but before him, grandpa and his uh, brothers and all of that, they used to have bands in their town, Colombia. Uh, yep. Mostly like salsa orchestras and like, you know, like still fun. Absolutely. Tropical music. Oh yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, so I have the musical vein in my, in my, in my, in my, um, in my body. And so I, I got this guitar. I remember it was just a, this, this Yamaha that my dad, uh, got me and mm -hmm. I would, I wouldn't go anywhere without my guitar. I brought it to school every day and during recess and breaks, I would play my guitar. And then in my school, I started forming my first band. So the, the same way I, 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 I created Sigma. Just got a drummer, got a bass player. Here you go. Boom. I had a, a guy that was really good on keyboards. Okay, yeah. let's go. 
Let's and, go. Yeah, we started playing and we started <laughs> playing at every event in, in high school. And then we started uh, competing at like, you know, intercollegiate uh, events and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, it was so much fun. So it, it goes way back. My next question for you is because you've got a big history with bands and then a bit of a transition. I want to know, which did you prefer more? Do you have any like pros and cons to being part of a band versus being a solo act? I know you didn't do it the solo act for so long, but Listen, where, they, where do you stand there? Having a band is really complicated because, uh, you know, the more members that you have in the band, the more risks you have of running into a personality that doesn't fit with every, anybody else. <laughs> yes. So, so then you have, uh, you know, it, when, when we were, when we started playing uh, in, in Sigma, when, they, when, I, when I started playing Sigma, I was 20 years old. Right. Okay. So I was just landed in Canada. I was trying to, you know, I couldn't get into school. I was trying to find a job. So I had a lot of time. Right. Okay. And we all had a lot of time. So we, we, we had like, we were rehearsing two, three times, four times a, a, a week. Right. Which is but often for a band, yeah. Getting, yeah, so, so then we started getting into school and started getting jobs and stuff like that. And school and work was, was easy to deal with, but the hard time was when guys started getting, uh, you know, girlfriends and getting married. That's when <laughs> it was like, ah, I, can't, I don't have a, that much time anymore. And, but, yeah. Um, so <laughs> the, 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 the thing with having a band is that it's so much fun because, you know, you, you feel that 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 you know closeness that you have with people that share your love for that same kind of music that you're playing and then you know like rehearsing for hours yeah. on days end until you get that song perfect that that's amazing but then uh and when i was very lucky because i run into a band that was the perfect um like the the perfect people in it but the the, the actual sigma uh, ended because some of the members were not as committed as some of the other three. Let's say right. the fun founding three members really committed, the other two not so much. So right. then we had to get new members, and then the, the members that we got for the Duende, they were all perfect. So we had the people that were leading the band, and then we had the other ones that were just there, trusting the management of the band to do right. the right thing right so i you know it was me and and the drummer uh hans and and we were making all decisions on what shows we were going to do where we we're going to play how much we we're going to charge what we were going to do with the money so we we were very lucky because we had lots of shows and every time that we uh played uh, a show for latinos we 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 sold it out there wasn't you know like latinos wanted their music right of so course they like to party we were making tons of money at the door or, you know, like whatever kind of show we were doing. It was, it was yeah. always very That's profitable awesome. for us. So we were able to, like, we, we all had jobs, so we, we didn't need to, like, take money and, like, pay anybody in the band. So we, uh, we agreed that we were going to invest all the money into equipment. And, man, we had, like, everything at that time. You know, we had, uh, you know, a mix board, we had uh, speakers, we had uh, wireless uh, systems. Like, it was so, so cool. Um, so, like, I, I, I was very fortunate because I had the right mix at the right time, right? Like, it was, it was all great. Yeah. But if you're in a band where nobody cares or somebody doesn't, doesn't come to rehearsals with, you know, with the songs rehearsed, or they don't show up on time or something like that, then, then that's a problem. And then as a solo artist, I, I really enjoyed doing that because it was me 
and my talent. And then I was able to choose what players I wanted to put in my team. Right. right? So I started just hiring session musicians. And it was amazing because all I, I, I had like, you know, wide open selection of the best musicians in town. So I was like, you, you, you. And if somebody wasn't working, you're out. Next person comes in. Right. So it was great because I, I've always been uh, I've always been a manager, a leader. And and in, in organizing my projects, I found it that it, it was easier to be a solo artist than, than to be with a band. However, having said that, that I had the perfect band to work with. Right. So when you're in the band, do you find that you have to have open communication? You have to almost delegate a leader and each player, each band member plays a particular role. And if you don't have those roles established, you're going to have some kind of turmoil. Listen, I think the most important thing to do in a band is to be open from the very beginning and tell everyone what the expectations are, like what the what, what your expectations are, it, like what your goals are as a band. Because if you just want to get together and, and jam and have fun, then that, you know, that's, a, that's a different story. Really, yeah. If you really want to take it serious and record and play shows and hopefully tour at one point, like you have you need to have a leader. You need to have people that are follow that, that, that follow, but also that you know, support the decisions that are made. And also they act, they, they can act as, you know, checking and balancing what, what, what the leaders of the band are doing. Because if, if, if people don't ask, if, if people don't ask the leaders, like, wait a minute, what, like, like if, 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 no, if they're not ever questioned, then like a lot of people decide to, to avoid confrontation, they decide to stay quiet. Mm. And then that's when, you know, problems start building up and layering over each other. And then mm. at the end, people just explode. And that's that's the wrong thing to do when you're playing in a band. I think that the more open that you have to be, even if the answer that you have for your band members is not what they want to hear, okay? Sometimes it because, gets ugly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even if right off the start, if they don't want to hear it, like you have to be open about everything. And if they like it, they have the, the option of staying or, or, or leaving. Right. So yeah. No lie. Have, yeah. Communication is it has to happen at all stages and some like the people that are chosen or, or decide to lead the band. They need to be an open book when it comes to relaying information back to the band members, because they, they, they there's no such thing as oh, I'm just going to keep this for myself because they don't need to hear it. Because the more you, you keep to yourself, the more problems you're going to have in the end. Why didn't you tell us about this? You never want to find yourself in that, in that situation. The more open you are, the more successful you're going to be as a band leader. Yeah, I, I'm hearing you, but I'm also hearing you because at different times, you may not realize that this kind of stuff is really what you need to hear. And it's had great impact on me. So thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, no on that note, we are wrapping up this segment. That was the basics. We got quite into detail. The sound guy is the most important. Did you hear this guy? Who does he think he is? Did we even invite him? <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's jokes. Well, that leads us right into the next segment. The next segment is called the speed round. Speed round. Speed round, because we're going real quick, real quick, real freaking quick. Boom. 
All right. So what the speed round is, is I'm going to throw 20 rapid fire questions at you. Quite simple. Some are going to make you huh, question yourself a bit. Some are going to have you on your toes. You're going to have to practice your listening, but you're going to answer them quickly with either a yes, a no, this, that, or neither. Please do not try and justify your answer. You get the opportunity to do that afterwards. Good to yes, go. Yes, no, this, that, or either. Correct. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. Let's get this going. This one's kind of obvious, but do you play any instruments other than the guitar? Yes. Do you visit home as often as you'd like to? Yes. Do you prefer to be inside or outside? Outside. It's hungry. Lunchtime. Pizza or burrito? Burrito. Always. <laughs> I feel a little ridiculous asking that. <laughs> do, do you miss performing live shows? Yes. Yes. Movie or TV show? Uh, TV show. Toilet paper ran out. You got to put in a new roll. Is it going over or is it flipping under? Over. Over. Smart man. Does your birthday always happen on the same day? <laughs> <laughs> Who uses toilet paper? That's what socks are for. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, you just jump in the shower anyway. What? <laughs> Next question. Does your birthday always happen on the same day? No. No. You have to get rid of one of five basic senses. Sight, touch, smell, hearing, or taste. Which one do you get rid of? Smell. Smell. Do you participate in games involving lumber? Yes. Are we going up or is it going down? Down. <laughs> down. All right. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Yes or no? no. Yes. Yes. Do you have any regrets? Yes. Yes. Performing yourself or managing for your daughter? Which do you prefer? Managing. Managing. Dine-in or delivery? Dine-in. Would you consider putting out a personal project? Yes. Later. Yes. Glass half full or half empty? Half full. All right, cool, cool, cool. Two more questions. Do you prefer leisure or do you prefer luxury? Luxury. And do you, Jerry, think scuba diving is awesome? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Here we go. I hit the jackpot. <laughs> is there... That's the last question. Right? That's what I thought too. Is there anything you'd like to clarify or expand on? Um, burritos is an obvious choice, you know? Yeah, I kind of regret and, uh, asking that now. Why would I do yeah. that? And you know what? In my in my house, it's it's only Bella and I. So Bella is a delivery, and I'm a dining. So imagine uh, all the problems we have. Ugh. All right, Jerry. That leads us into our third segment of the day. This one is called "What's Yo Take." Ooh, interesting. Yeah. What? 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 So in What's Your Take, I'm going to be providing you with up to five different either questions, ideas, concepts, theories, whatever you want to call it. And we're going to ask you for your opinion. That's it. Nice and easy. Good to go? All right. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right. So you spent almost 10 years with the Duende and you said that you were mainly a cover band. But you also mentioned that you recorded three singles. I want to know why only three. In so much time. Um, 
you know, the answer is, is really simple. At, the, at that time, it wasn't that easy to find, um, you know, to record like all the, the, the tools that you have today to record uh, music is, is so simple. Um, but at the same time, like we were never in a, like, like we were not, a, our, I mentioned before that you have to have your goals really clear. And our goal as a band at the beginning was never to like be, you know, go out and tour or anything like that. Because especially when we started uh, playing with the Duende, um, yeah. we, we all had jobs and, 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 and our own thing going on. But do you think, obviously, I don't like to pretend like we can go back in time, but do you think writing more original material is something that you would want to do perhaps with your daughter or for a personal project in the future? Is that something that you are upset that you didn't do more of? I, I have a lot of songs that I wrote myself that, okay. that, that are um, still written and never did anything with them. Um, so, so like I never lacked material, <clears throat> yeah. I, but right now I'm focused 100%. I'm focused so much on, on, on Bella Rosa that all the writing and all my time goes to writing music and, and supporting Bella Rosa. So as a personal project, though, I, I want to be involved in music and, 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 you know, I would love to, to keep working on my music that Bella Rosa is what like my, my main focus right now. So yeah, that's what I have time for, you know? Absolutely. That's fair. That's fair. People, people, through my sense of observation, I found people like to overexert themselves. They like to overcommit to too much time or to too much energy. And that really dwindles down everything. If you can't, if you can't really commit to one or two or maybe even three things at most full commitment, it's hard to be, you know, efficient at anything. Oh, absolutely. So the fact that you're focusing is, is key. And I, I, I made that decision when, when I saw that the Bella was good, like I know that when I saw that the talent was there, um, I made a, a conscious decision because at that time, uh, you know, you were asking me about regrets and another regret that I had is that from 2012 to like 2018, I didn't play any music at all. No shows, nothing. I just, you know, like I, I, I left music. I, you know, it was, but over, over that period of time, I always had like my fan base in London is so loyal. Like I love everyone, every single one of them. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's still today. I, I kept my, like I kept my Facebook account and all that. And they, they were always writing me like, when's the next show? Like what's going on? And I'm like, I haven't played in five years. Well, play again. Like, let's you know? do it. <laughs> so, so, but, uh, but it wasn't until in 20, because my show was last year, 2019. Yeah, so so in 2018, uh, like my friend Johnny Correa, who's a, a local musician, Cuban uh, local musician, uh, he was like, "Dude, you have to play again. Like, let's do it. I have I have uh, this this guy that I want you guys to do like a, a you know like a duo like a show together. He has his audience. You have your audience. Let's let's sell out a show. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And and that's when you know I I, I did one show in 2019 a year ago actually. Okay. And uh, in March of 2019, and it felt amazing uh, to come back into into the music scene. But Bella opened that show for me. Awesome. And at that time, I was I was already like you know like head deep into this project. And I find that if I really want this project to succeed the way I want it to, mm -hmm. that's all 
it's because it's not all I have time for, but it's what I am going to dedicate my time for so it succeeds. There you go. There you go. I like that. On a little bit of a different note, but still in the same segment, I want to know, um, in terms of recording a full album or and releasing that or recording individual singles and then releasing those gradually, what strategy do you think is better? Today. Today. Um, I think that, so the world that we live in is so, um, is so busy. Okay. Like there's people, like people attention span is so small that it, it so I, my answer to that question is going to depend is, is, is contingent on budget. Let's, let's put it that way. If you have lots of cash to record an album and, you know, do, do an album every year, then, you know, go, go ahead. Right. That, that, I, I think that's, that's good. But, but even if, it, and even if you have lots of cash, like people, it, it seems that the way that the digital industry has, has gone now with like being able to buy songs like I, I remember uh, you know going buying like b- vinyls and then uh, CDs and uh, you know many times I I bought a full CD just for one song like uh, you know <laughs> the single that I like um, yeah. and and the rest I don't even know what songs were in there but today you're able to just buy that one song so yeah uh, uh, you know for every musician that it's uh, you know that's starting in, in in the industry I would say that you it, the best Thing that you can do is focus your energies on one song at a time and then trying try to use that con the content that is generated from producing one song and try to stretch it as long as possible i would say for a period of three months right so from every single that you that you produce you get the song uh, and then you get uh for example a lyric video you get a music video you get photography out of it, uh, you know, and you, you could do a giveaway. I think that if you can, if you can stretch it out like that and yeah. keep people on, on, on your one release, one song at a time, that's that. I, it seems that that's how people like to consume music nowadays. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I wonder if three months is too far apart, too spread apart to remain relevant. What about monthly or biweekly? Obviously, the work adds up and you have to have your, your pre-launch campaign. You have to have your post-launch campaign strategies all in place. What, uh, what, um, I want to say interval do you think is realistic for someone to grow in the world? Here's the thing. If you are working on music full time, I think that one song a month is very doable, but it's just, I find that focusing your attention into doing it right rather than doing it fast, yeah, it's 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 a better approach because you just have to be very diligent with everything that you do around you know pushing your music out. Like the recording has to be perfect, right? You have to get the right the right recording. You have to analyze the lyrics. You have to get the you know the right mastering. Um, yeah. You have to make sure that the photography. Is right. Like you, you only have one chance to sell this, this baby of yours, right? Like music is your baby and you need to treat it like that because it's really fragile, right? If you just throw the baby out into the world like that and you don't care how it's going to, how you're going to present it to the world, then it's not going very far. Die, man. Like you need to, you need to nourish that baby, right? So I think that 
whether I, I don't think that there is a like a a set approach like every month or every two months. I think that I, I wouldn't go any further than three months, but but if you if you you know if if you work hard and and have all those like after you start doing this, it becomes a system, right? Like you start getting good at at, at, at uh, you know at, at, at getting all those assets that you need to fulfill uh, for launching a single, and then uh, you know it gets easier. But yeah, one one month, two months is is ideal. Three months is 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 still good, I think, in my in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's that. That's what I would say. Interesting. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna one more question on that because that that was a lot of good. If you're writing songs, let's say you've got two, three, you've got three ready to go. Should the artist feel pressured to release them, or is it okay to compile more? build up your reservoir and then have a extended launch program. Does that make sense? Like instead of say you record a full album worth of material, but then you release yeah. it like singles. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that as an artist, you cannot stop writing. Like the writing process needs to be constant and consistent because the more you write, the better you get at it and the best yeah. material comes out. So if you if you just write two songs and you just stop, then you're not using your talent as a creative uh, you know, person to develop everything and, and, and push the best that's, that, that's, um, you know, that, that can come out of you. I think that if you just have one song or two songs, it's not as good as if you had 20 songs and you pick the best two. I think that your chances of success increases exponentially because you are really pushing out into the world your best, absolute best work, right? Yeah. Rather than than just like, oh, this is this is what I have. That's it, right? So right. I think that the more you write and, and and writing a song doesn't mean like because you can write a song really easily, just you mm. know, guitar, piano, and that's it. You know, the the production comes after, but. I think that if you can write tunes, like get 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 like the right lyrics and produce, you know, like get 20 songs written and then push out the best two that you have or the best one, that that will give you that that it's an it's a more honest approach to pushing out your absolute best. Understood. And a, a question to follow up with that is how is the artist expected to maintain their style after writing so much over time or is it okay to change their style over the years without necessarily becoming whatever a sellout is or not developing enough what does that look like i think that it's very important for an artist to stick to a style um especially until they get some traction because like, you want to be consistent with your work. You want to be like, if you want to work and be the best at something, you have to be really consistent in what you're doing. If you are jumping from one side to the other, I don't think that you're going to get to experience and develop your, 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 your art in the best way possible. So, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's lots of bands that, that have always had like, you know, like a certain style. And then all of a sudden they released an album that, that it's like, whoa, what's going on? I don't know if you know, for example, from my my time, uh, The Cure, 
it's uh, one of my favorite bands and they they always had a really consistent uh, you know uh, style and then they come up with like a whole bunch of you know love songs right like the yeah. album kiss me kiss me kiss me and then like back to dark and then they produced uh, wild mood swings you know uh, which is was a total different album so but they 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 did their homework they proved themselves they got an audience they were famous right and and they had a style and then they started experimenting with something else after they proved that they were masters in their craft so so I, consistency would be key if you're trying to develop and grow an audience but if you're doing it solely for artistic expression feel free to do whatever you want whatever your oh, heart yeah, desires absolutely yeah cool cool i like that i got one more question for what's your take which might turn into a couple of questions because I'm curious and <laughs> that always happens. <laughs> but evidently you're working with your daughter, Bella Rosa. You are obviously very excited to help her develop her into all of the potential that she is. But I wonder if you're also a little upset that you can, not that you can't be front and center, but your time of being front and center isn't here. Is it challenging to, to do that as a, as a family member? Um, no, no, because I am, I, I don't know if it's just the love that I have for, for my daughter, but I, it, it, the way I see it, <laughs> that was perfect. The, the, see, the way I see it is that in my time, I was able to learn a lot of skills and, you know, get myself into all these different situations that have made me who I yeah. am today and yeah. that experience now helps me, you know, push her career forward like 1000% because my Bella's 13 years old. And when I was 13, I wasn't recording in, you know, in a professional a studio such amazing as Prevail Music Studios. Um, but <laughs> like I, I didn't have the musicians that, that she's playing with. I didn't right. have the, the resources that, 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 that she had. And, and I just, I, I'm very happy to be able to, you know, to put all my expertise into, into making sure that she, you know, has a, a career for her future. So yeah. am I upset? I'm upset? Not at all. Like I actually, I really like this role as a manager because I am still in music and I'm able to, you know, make decisions and influence her career. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and she's, she's my daughter. I, you know, she's my everything. So, so it's, it's, it's an, it, I would say her career just started. Like yeah. we haven't even scratched the surface Yeah. and I probably have had as much fun so far as I did in my 20 years of musical experience. That's wild. But but the fact that you love your daughter and you're so committed is amazing. And you and I applaud that. But do you think you may ever get emotionally tied? Like sometimes mom momagers, momagers or or parent managers get a bad rep for that particular reason. Like what tied how? Like do you have an example of like they they go above and beyond expecting things because oh this is special or they don't like how my artist is being treated because you can't talk to my daughter that way stuff like that <laughs> okay uh so whoever doesn't know me um i am a very very strict person 
And because I have been in the entertainment industry and I've been working in, you know, in a national role where I've seen how hard this business and industry is, yeah. then I am probably 10 times as strict with my daughter and her career because I'm not here to make her think that life is this piece of cake that just gets handed to you. That Wait, is it's not? absolutely not <laughs> what I'm, it's <laughs> absolutely not what, what I'm about. So um, one thing that I've always, you know, had as, as my, like my personal mantra is that you leave, you leave family at home. And when you're doing business is business. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Like when it's time for business, it's time for business. And I can be very, very critical and very honest. I like to be, I have a very raw approach onto how I, you know, uh, you know, introduce Bella into music. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I'm really, really happy to be able to do that because I'm not the guy that thinks that my daughter is perfect and she's the best and can't do anything wrong. Actually, I, you know, I, 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 it is the contrary. But how do you how do you flip that switch though? Because I struggle with that. It's been something that, like, I've done business with my family in the past, and I've, you know, I, I, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a commitment that I've done uh, because I believe in the in the value of separating your relationships. Yeah, I can be sitting down with my family having a business meeting, and I will you know, react in, you know, in, in the way that makes sense for business. Right. But then we can break and go have dinner as a family and have a beer. And no, I, I am not, I, I don't translate anything that happened at that business meeting into the family scene. So that is I, a I skill. How, yeah. I don't know how, how, how I could tell people how to do it, but it's something that I'm very, it, it just takes commitment. It takes you know, you knowing what what type of scenario you're in and then just, you know, reacting to what your beliefs are. So my belief is this is business. We're talking, you know, about this a specific, you know, business topic. And this is what I believe. And I, I don't care. I can be very, very, uh, you know, harsh when it comes to to business. But I love my family. And when it comes to, to family, I and but at, at the same time, like, I don't think that just because you're related with a family member that all everything is forgiven, right? Like no way, Jose. You know, fa family also has a, a responsibility to be, you know, honest with you, and and if you offer them honesty and and love, you should be able to to get that back. So so at the same time, like I, if, if you're my family member and you're a jerk to me, I'm not gonna talk to you, you know, because I I, I don't allow that kind of energy in my life. That was absolutely magnificent. All right, all right. So this brings us over to our fourth segment of the day. This segment is called Wheel Challenge. I'm really scared about this one. <laughs> As you should be. <laughs> Woo! Wheel Challenge. All right, guys. So back here in my corner, we've got a nice spin the wheel, go produce, ready to go. And each of the different tabs has a little bit of a different challenge on it. What we're going to do is I'm going to spin for you because of wild times that we're living in. And then depending on that, we're going to we're going to move. Cool. Sounds good. Be nice. Ah, wait, I'll make no promises. <laughs> Here we go. 
Where's the drum roll? Oh, come on, grumpy sound guy. <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> he fell asleep. Uh-oh. 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 All right. So you got the whisper challenge. Oh. All right. All right. All right. So this one's a little bit of fun. That's a creepy one. <laughs> I can't say it's not. So we're just going to move on and we're going to do it. <laughs> all right. What's going to happen here is I'm going to mute you. I'm going to mute myself. I'm, I'm going to mute myself so you can't hear me. Everyone okay. else can still hear me. Okay. And then I'm going to read a couple phrases. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read a couple of phrases. And they're very short, easy phrases, but you're going to try and read my lips and then say what I say. Cool? Okay. All right. So let me mute this. I'm going to start now. The first one is just going to be a test. <clears throat> okay. Test two. Hi. Test two, one, two. Me. Test two, one, two. I like burritos. <laughs> Did I fail? <laughs> I, I definitely do like burritos, but it's not what I was saying. <laughs> I was reading test, test, two, one, two. Oh, yeah. Hi, my off. name is Louie. I like burritos. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good thing that was a practice round. We can just throw that in the back. No one has to see yeah. it. <laughs> No, people want to see that. <laughs> Perfect. It's not going yeah. anywhere. That's jokes. All right. So the next one is for real, for real. Okay. Okay. Oh. <clears throat> Sally sells seashells. Sex. Sex. <laughs> Sally sells <laughs> seashells sex, sex, at the seashore. I need to go to school. <laughs> I probably should go to school. <laughs> I promise you. We tried, we tried, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a no on that one. <laughs> sex, <Damn>. sex, sex. <laughs> That's gold. Okay. Oh I've got That's one more funny. for you. You think you could muster this last one up? All right. Okay. This one, I think you're going to like. You can relate to this one. What was the last one, though? Oh, you're right. You're right. The last one was Sally sells seashells at the seashore. Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, now that you have that in mind, you'll you might get this one, okay? Okay. <clears throat> Remember a Latino. I don't know like English sayings, right? I don't blame you, my friend. <laughs> All right. How much wood could a woodchuck How much wood would could a woodchuck, woodchuck chuck? You got it. <laughs> if you didn't get that, I don't think they take you back. It's still timber sports, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, I'm rooting for you here. The, the woodchuckers, yeah. <laughs> I get to keep my job, but the yes. two previous ones were funny. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, that is only one way to describe that, and it's a wheel challenge. I'm sure you can vouch for that. But I wonder what we're gonna yeah. get on our next episode. Who knows? Next up, we've got one more segment here. All right. Our last segment is called Clear the Air. Ta-da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're doing with Clear the Air is we want to eliminate brain fog for all of our listeners. And that's what your task is. So we've got a couple of questions about challenges in the industry. And essentially, we want your opinion to help them get better and to describe ways to avoid unnecessary hurdles. Cool? Okay, cool. 
I'll do my best. Beautiful. That's all we can ask. Actually, this is a great opportunity. Here, I want to tell. I want you to tell us more about your biggest show to date when you opened for Maestro Joe Arroyo in 2010. We were getting into this a little bit earlier, but uh, it was a little bittersweet to think that was your pinnacle as a performing artist. So give me your feelings. Give me your thoughts on that. Um, my, uh, Maestro Joe Arroyo is, uh, is somebody that I've always looked up to because he is, uh, you know, probably one of the greatest musicians of all times. Uh, not only Colombian musicians, but, you know, he created his own music style. Actually, Billboard um, has identified his music as, because it's not salsa, it's not merengue, it's Joe Son. Son is uh, like a rhythm. So Joe Son, that's that's a, a, an actual music style that that, that was identified. Uh, so I had no idea. Growing, growing up, every you know, I, I love Joe Arroyo and I, you know, listen to his music. I never got to see him live and then i moved to canada and he's coming to do a show here at the western fair yeah um and my band uh, the duende gets get, we get asked to open for for him and it's it's unbelievable i i just couldn't believe it when 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 we got the call and i was like yeah of course we'll just draw drops yeah so we ended up like i think we had about an hour to to perform but by you know by the time we played our last show we had a huge repertoire right so uh you know uh so we started we 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 prepared for that show and we prepared the hour but while we were rehearsing we we played all these other songs that we were that were not in the set right but but that we just you know had had uh, in in our back pocket and I remember the day of the show. So Joe Arroyo arrived in Canada and he didn't come for the sound check because he was um, he was already aged and he was having some um, like health problems. And he actually ended up passing away just like a year or so after 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 my show, oh, wow. uh, after our show. Right. And so so we we actually got to do the sound check and then his musicians. Yeah, a moment and, of silence. Yeah, <laughs> a moment of silence. Yeah, and uh, and so we we did the sound check, and we were just so excited, and we we're like, okay, where is he? Where is he? So then, you know, the the place started getting full, and and uh, he wasn't there yet. So they're like, all right, openers, go go play. So we play our show, and it's the most amazing show I've ever played. Everything was perfect. The sound was incredible. Uh, all the monitoring was just in the right place. And mm. the people were super into it. So that, that, the memory from that show was, at, at the, even, even without the honor of opening for Joe Arroyo, like just that show was incredible. So then we finished the show. All right, good night. Thank you. And then we get backstage and they're like, Joe is not here yet. He's not ready. And he's not going to be here for like another hour. Um, can you guys play some more? And we're like, Ooh. yeah, let's do it. Hey. <laughs> so, so we come back out and we, I think we played for another 45 minutes. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was even better. Like people were just having a good time. And then, so after, after we played, uh, then we, we got back to the backstage and then, then Joy was there. Mm -hmm. And I got to meet him. Uh, for the first time in my life mm -hmm. and he he was just sitting down and this is now that, that now that we're uh, talking about this and we talked before about regrets he 
asked me the coolest thing and I wasn't able to do anything about it. He said, he said, hey, do you have a shot of whiskey for me? <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, I don't. And having a shot with Maestro Joe Arroyo would have been the highlight of my musical life. But so lesson learned, walk around with the flask at yeah. all times. Yeah, I, I carry whiskey everywhere I go. <laughs> 10 years later. <laughs> I know, I know. That's hilarious. Yeah, so what he, a story. He's, uh, he's not with us now. And, uh, but, but getting to hang out with him in the backstage, uh, I sat down with him and talked uh, for like 20 minutes, and it was just an absolutely amazing experience. Beautiful. And then right after that, or not right after, but soon after that experience in 2012, you jumped out of the music industry and into an entirely new one. Absolutely. We want to just hear a little bit more about how that transition was. And a specific question on that was, how was the involvement in organizing the powerhouse team that would end up winning so many uh, medals? Sorry. Okay, so I... I started working for Steel. Um, I worked for Steel uh, Canada since 2006. It was shortly after Bella was born. Um, Bella was born in May, and I started working for Steel in September of 2006. And at that time, I had lots of experience working with events, and music was part of that. But I also had a lot of experience working with, with sporting, like sports, because not a lot of people know this, but I was a competitive semi-professional tennis player back in my days when I was you know younger in Colombia and I also played uh, competitive soccer I had a scholarship at my university in Colombia to play uh, soccer as a goalie and to play uh, guys athletic out and, here and, and to play tennis um, so I had a combination of experience with events uh, production uh, because also at that time because I was the I, I, you know, Latinos were starting to become a big thing here in town. So I was recruited. I, I, I approached, I was, I, I can't remember how that relationship started, but I started working for Western Union, the, the money transfer company. And I was their, their community uh, representative here in London. And every time that there was an event in town, uh, they would send me to uh, represent them at the event. But at that time it was just like, you know, putting up a tent, a table and then giving literature and balloons and just promoting the name of Western Union. So that was my experience with events and sports. Right. And then when I come to steel in, uh, you know, I was working at steel for, you know, five years when the person that was running timber sports um, left the company. And I, during that time, when that person wasn't available, they used to send me uh, to just represent the company, but it was just basically going to the timber sports events and, just saying hi. And at that time, the production of the events was just basically like very, very uh, local. Um, you know, we used to give, Steel used to give money to one athlete and they would like organize the event. And it was, it was just done in a parking lot with like no, like banners hanging from trees. And it was, the production was not up to par, right? So when I come in 2012, I, I, I got the opportunity to go and see the Steel Timber Sports World Championship in Norway. And All so I, Norway. I, I, I traveled with Team Canada, which was composed of four people. 
And so they, they, you know, we went to the event and we, we landed in Norway like one day before the guys had to compete. And there was like no structure, no planning, no, no nothing. And right. when they, you know, like there was no, you know, catching up from the, the time difference or so the guys didn't do well. Uh, you know, it was a really bad uh, championship for, for Team Canada. But Canada was not a, you know, a, a real a contender yeah. in, the, in the world at that time. But it's not because we didn't have the talent. It's because there was a lack of organization. And so when after the event, I sat down with the guys. We were having a beer, uh, you know, in, in Oslo the night before flying back home. And I was like, you know, why is the sport handled this way? and not in a more professional way. If they can do huge events here in Europe, uh, because the European series, like all over Europe, the, the, the events in timber sports have always been top notch. Um, why can't we have that here in, in Canada? And they didn't know the answer. They were just happy to chop some wood and that's it. But after I came back, I, I presented a program to, to, to the president of steel. And, and you applied said, your drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said like, listen, this is what, this is what's happening right now, and this is what I can do for you, you know. And and so I started, um, you know, my 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 approach was that steel timber because at that time they every time you talk about steel timber sports, like oh the lumberjacks, and I was like they are not lumberjacks, they are prof they are professional athletes. Like the the amount of you know like preparation that it needs for you to be able to compete on a high level in a steel timber sports event, it's huge. Like it's your whole life of learning technique and working your body and, you know, just investing a lot of time in equipment to be able to perform at a high level. So a lumberjack is somebody that works in the woods and, you know, like, right. you know, chop, um, harvest right. wood and, and that. But the way I say it is like lumberjacks, like a steel timber sports athlete can be a lumberjack. Some of them work in that industry as well. But not every lumberjack is a steel timber sports athlete, right? I so, think that a good way to compare that for other for other listeners would be that there's a lot of work, a lot of undercover work that goes into being the top of anything. And an image that I think might resonate with a lot of our listeners is an iceberg. If you were to picture that, the vast majority, 90, 95% of that is underneath. And that's the skills, that's the blood, sweat, tears, that's yeah. the equipment, that's all of that you've done, even just the time. <laughs> And what a lot of us will just see is the little piece that's floating above. And that's not really yeah. reality. Yeah. And, the, and, and, and just the little top that people were seeing was not the right representation of what they were. So I, I started reaching out. I started reaching out to different uh, players and sponsors and like athletic, uh, athletic clothing company. And I said, like, hey, I, I need uh, you to, uh, to dress my athletes because I want them to look the part when 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 we put this on, on TV, like my, my goal was to, to bring the sport to a national TV production. And, and, you know, it was, it was really quick. I, I, I in 2013, we still had a, a small event, like I described uh, before, but in 2014, we had the first like official huge Canadian national championship, yeah. which was held at the Toronto Indy. So I reached out to the, uh, the Honda Toronto Indy, big, huge, like international sporting event and we were able to get uh you know like a footprint inside their you know in in in, uh, in inside the track not like on the track but like the track goes around right and they, it, we, so we were we were like a side entertainment when race was not happening right 
But to us, that was huge because the, you know, the press and the amount of people that attend that event, you know, was, was, was insane. Yeah. So I spent. What was it like working with uh, a broadcast organization like TSN? Oh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, well, the, the relationship that I have with TSN is amazing. And at the very beginning, uh, it was like, like, we're TSN, who are you guys? Uh, <laughs> you know, kind of stuff. But then over time, like the, our, our sport has grown in production quality so much. Like I described that, in, you know, we used to do events on like on the grass with the banners hanging from trees and stuff. Yeah. And now we have an official stage that is, you know, is like custom made for the sport. It's a huge stage with lights everywhere and special effects and, you know, like, yeah. like pyro what about- and... What about any hurdles? Did you run oh, into gosh. like, ah, we need to do this for censorship or we can't accept this kind of quality. We need to do this. Um, every, like, I, the hurdles that I, like, when it comes to the production of the show, uh, I didn't really get a lot of hurdles because I was very clear in the quality of event that I wanted to deliver. Uh, to the network, but the biggest hurdles that I've had to overcome is with the athletes, because athletes that were the old school of the sport, they don't uh, want any change. People are very, very resistant to change, yeah, and they started being very, very critical, like with everything. But, but it was it, it wasn't long, and 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 on the international stage. I started, for example, selecting Team Canada in a different way. And when we land, like I, I implemented a training camp. So we traveled to Europe one full week before the actual event. So we trained, we got used to the, uh, you know, preparedness, like the time yeah. Zone yeah. And all that. And it didn't take long until Canada, um, you know, got their, uh, our first medal. It was in 2014 that we were able to get our first uh, ever you know, international silver medal. And then uh, after that, the, you know, the, the, the success ha- has just started to pile up year after year. So it, it was a pr- it, like, I was able to prove that with, with a little bit of organization and commitment, you know, we were going to be able to turn something that was, you know, just uh, average uh, series into like a world-class event, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Everyone can see that is this is exactly what's happening with that. But I want to turn it back onto the music in conclusion, almost how if you put all your time and effort into something, it will grow. And even if it grows and dies, you learned something from trying to grow it that first time. And you could try with someone else. You could try a different technique, but you got to stay focused and aligned with what you're doing. Yes, is essentially the lesson I'm hearing here. Absolutely. I mean, if if you if you're in music in the music industry and you're talented and you have the like, you gotta be willing to work and putting work because it gotta takes work a lot of hours to hone your craft. Like you need to, your voice needs to be perfect, your music needs to be perfect, your performance needs to be great, right? Like it's not just standing on stage and playing your songs. You have to almost be, you know, your performance, your delivery, your physical movement, your everything. Your, it's a lot expressions like you have to, you know, like be so attentive to detail, your hair, your makeup, your like the the uh, accessories that you want to, to to wear. And but it's really exciting because never in our history, in, in the history of humanity, we've ever had 
such a, you know wide opportunities for any musician yes. to hit the stage in in any way yes. because like through you know through social media and like you don't need to be signed to a major label to be an artist that is known around the world and actually another thing that it's really interesting to me is that you don't need to be an international renowned artist to be successful because there's 8 billion people in the world, almost 8 billion people. And all you need to be successful is to find your niche, you know, to find, find your a niche. group of people that yeah. like your music and yeah. that are committed enough to your music to support you, you know, with like purchasing your music and uh, going to your shows. And, and it's, it's, it is, it is very possible, but it is possible. Is a lot of work and you need to find the right people. You need to be honest with yourself if you are, if you think you're just good and out of like the goodness of God or whatever, your career is just going to take off with, by you just, you know, sitting down on the couch doing nothing. That's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. So you need to be honest. You need to almost like, you know, put a plan together and say, I am going to work on my voice for two hours every day, then my music for an hour, then my social media for another hour. And it's almost like, you know, you have all this task to do. And yeah. you're like, whoa, how am I going to do this? But hey, there's no easy way out of this. Gotta if start. you don't do it, nobody's going to do it for you. You know, I so, hear you. I absolutely. hear you. If you don't do it, no one's going to do it for you. Absolutely. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that brings us to the very end of this episode, which was very awesome, Jerry. I hope you had a fantastic time. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yes. Do you have any final words you'd like to share? And also, if you want to go ahead and take this time to let the opportunity or let the listeners know where they can find you and or Bella Rosa. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that every, uh, I'm very <laughs> glad to be here and able to, uh, to share a little bit of uh, my experience. I, I really wish that because of COVID, like the plans that I had for Bella Rosa would have had us at a total different point in time right now. <laughs> like we yeah. had, we were in the middle of like, we were about to launch Bella's second single mm. uh, and the launch of the first single went, went, went so well. And I was so excited for this, but now uh, we were stuck and I'm just waiting for everything to open up again. So I wish that I would be able to tell, uh, you know, a, a little bit more of the story now, yeah. but we have to hit pause. So, so, but I, I'm sure that like, you know, I have a really, really amazing team uh, to work with. And I know that, that, that this is gonna, um, you know, start growing very soon because it already, uh, you know, she's already showing great, great, uh, great, great progress. So, awesome. uh, I mean, you can find Bella, Bella, Bella Rosa is on, on Spotify and Apple music as well as Instagram and Facebook as, uh, mostly as Bella Rosa music or bellarosamusic.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you want to find me, you know, Jerry Rosa on uh, Facebook and, and Instagram, though, I don't uh, post a lot about music now. It's mostly about uh, my my work as a manager with Bella. Right. But, uh, and also, I want to I wanna tell other parents that may be in a situation where they have a very talented uh, kid at home and they don't know what to do. You know what? I was there once and I figured this out by putting thousands of hours into reading and research and looking for ways to be able to support my talented kids. So if there's anybody that, you know, ever wants to get some, uh, you know, like ask, ask me a question or, or get some guidance, I would love to help because it's only by helping people 
that you know you you, you become better at what you're doing you spread the world yes the, the word and you make the world a better place man you know beautiful like everybody needs, if, if everybody gets to be successful like let's make it a beautiful world I like it a lot. I like it a lot. This is great, Jerry. Thank you so much. In conclusion, I'd like to thank our listeners. I hope you learned something here with us today. I want to give a shout out to Prevail Media Group. Thank you for the venue and for your team. Without you guys, we can't do any of this. Shout out to our very own grumpy sound guy. I hope you found a reason to smile because I know <laughs> you made us smiles. do that. <laughs> and then lastly, most... This is my drum roll. Lastly, thank you so much, Jerry Rosa, for being out here. We really appreciated your time. That's it. Go produce. We out. Thank you. See you later. Cheers, man. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this, then follow us on Instagram at go.produce. Check out our show notes, support us on Patreon, and help us grow this community. All of this and more can be found on our website at goproduce.ca. I am Big Lou, and I want to make sure that until next time, you go produce. <laughs>